What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. show for the show was in umes the eastern shore also has the shore up there in maryland my man sixers fan from new york city <laughs> jason crafter with me what's up bro <laughs> well I'm, I'm like i'm a new york knicks fan even though he was busting my chops last time when we were going to the john stark story but you know having worked for the Sixers, i embraced the Sixers as well and we got some fun stuff going on here to talk about but man let's have fun always good to be on the boss man show no doubt, bro. Like, let me tell you, man. You being five and five right now, man, makes me so makes me so happy, brother. Because knowing what happened to your guys last year, not being able to play, all right. Yeah. COVID shut you down for the whole year. Having to sell sell your program without having playing a game, you know, <laughs> and then you know getting a staff late, and you five and five. Talk about your kids persevering through all that drama, all those adverse moments, and they're five and five, third in the MEAC right now. Yeah, well, I appreciate you, uh, you know, recognizing just what we've been through here, you know, um, anytime you cancel a season and try to, you know, get back to action. Um, I don't think anybody really knows what that's like, except for the people that are actually in it, you know, and uh, yes. these guys have really persevered, you know. When we were playing the UConn game, I was telling Steve Lapis, like, he was shocked that to hear that we didn't do any five on five last year, like the entire year, we didn't practice five on five. You know, um, in the summertime was when we actually started doing some five on five stuff. So, shout out to our guys for just, you know, sticking with the process and, you know, sticking with me, sticking with the institution as we kind of work through a lot of things. You know, like you said, we didn't get our staff in place with hiring freezes and COVID transitions and all types of stuff till right before the actual gameplay started. So, you know, the bond between myself and my players is so dynamic. It's so unique. We cried together last year, not playing. You know, we, we bonded at a higher level than ever. And uh, this crew is on a mission. And uh, I love them to death. We got good kids. And they want more. You know, we're five and five. And 
as you know, for Maryland Eastern Shore, um, that's further along than it's been at this time of year. But but these kids aren't satisfied, and we want more. No doubt, Jason. Think about this, brother. Like you are pretty much starting from scratch again in year three. I mean, let's be real about it. It's yeah, your third yeah, yeah. year, but yeah, you start from scratch and to accomplish what you've accomplished. And your key is being pissed off. And you guys <laughs> motivation to go out and play, win on the road at a at a Fordham. Play St. Joe's tough. You know, get a win over Lehigh. You know, get a win, get get in UConn up there in, in Hartford. They played you at the, the big ring in Hartford, the XL Center. They played you in Hartford outdoors. <laughs> and you know, cause them problems. Your kids are playing inspired, man. Tell me about that, man. How how have your kids used last year as fuel for this year? Yeah, I think it's funny you said, like, pissed off. I think any player that, that has something taken from them would have a little bit of edge, a little extra frustration. Uh, it just comes from that. You know, I think they were excited to get back to playing, and that's some of that grit and, and edge you see is part of what we do in terms of our mentality of being tenacious and the one-way culture we try to create. But another one is, is just just – that extra uh, motivation just to get back to doing what you love when it was taken from you. So um, they, they still remember not being able to do it last year and they're still, um, you know, are, are motivated to, to, to continue to push this program forward at an even faster rate than I think, um, you know, that they thought it could happen even, you know. So that's been exciting to see those guys just buy into what we're trying to do and, and push forward through all the adversity. And uh, that's how we're on the road scrapping like that. And, you know, they're executing game plans and, and we still can get better. And I think that's why um, we want more. No doubt. And I saw some rankings, brother. You was ranked dead freaking last <laughs> out of all 358. Yeah. And I know for sure that you're not the worst coach in college basketball. <laughs> I know that for sure. Okay. I know that for sure. I know someone, some coaches that should be there, not you. But to be ranked that low, like that lack of respect to say this team is garbage, you know. <laughs> and, and these prognosticators say that about your kids and yourself, man. Now you in the mid-160s. You know, so talk about that, man, because if it was me, they'll piss me off right now. If you think I ain't nothing. <laughs> so, but I'm going to go out here and show you on, on this court here, though. Yeah, you know, we talked to our guys about that at the beginning of the year, the Sports Illustrated article that came out that said ranking everybody from number one to dead last Maryland Eastern Shore. You know, it's like right there on the cover. And, you know, I, we don't, you know, we don't use that type of stuff as motivation. That's just facts. You know, we didn't play last year, so. Where were you? Where would you rank us? You know, it'd be hard to evaluate where to put us. Now, there's other teams that didn't play last year as well. You know, but I think when you look at the history of Mali Eastern Shore basketball, the easiest thing to do is just to put us last, right? So, you know, we got a below 30% winning percentage. So, seven out of ten times or more, you know, the the country is used to seeing us lose. So, we're trying to change that 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 mindset in, in terms of the culture that we're trying to bring here, in terms of the, the style of play and the the type of player and the brand of basketball we put on the floor. So it really wasn't motivation for us. But I think that um, we kind of use that as just these are the facts. I mean, when we were at UConn, they they called me James Craft and they, they got our players' names wrong. We were at Lehigh, they called us Maryland Eastern Store. 
like we were a store, not the shore. <laughs> you know what I mean? So like, <laughs> you know, what, what do we call it? Lack of respect or whatever. We just say these are the facts. We don't need these dynamics as motivation. If you want to call me James Craft, and that's okay. When we come and you throw the ball up, <laughs> we're going to still go at you. <laughs> you know, I don't need that to motivate me. If you call us the wrong name or whatever the case may be. But I think when you look at those rankings and you see us in that, in that, that top 150, 160 area of the, via RPI, uh, what's intriguing about it is the other teams that are surrounding it. You know, the, the Atlantic 10 teams, the ACC teams. There was a time where we were neck and neck with Maryland, uh, College Park. And um, I think that's a testament to some of the, 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 the close games that we played against some high-level opponents um, throughout the course of the preseason and some of the wins we've gotten also being undefeated at home. So all testament to our guys locking in, playing hard, and buying into what we're trying to do. James Craft is like I can author a book or something. <laughs> James Crafton. <laughs> they call me, man. It's like James Crafton. I was like, hey, you know what? What are we going to do, man? Let's Head coach of the Eastern Store, James Crafton. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. like, it reminds me, bro, I went to speak at this uh, event here in Atlanta. They called me CB the Boss Man. Like, who the, like, who the hell is CB the Boss Man? Glad to have you here, CB. I said, I, Bro, I wouldn't even walk up to the stage, bro. I'm just sitting there. But I tell you what, though, when you played, and you know, you, no one knows more than you about the, you know, the money tour. And when you got to play these buy games, and you mentioned we, we beat Fordham, and, you know, we end double overtime, and you get that win. And whether they said your name's right or wrong, they still got to shake your hand after you beating them and, and still give you a check, you know? Yes. And uh, UConn wasn't too happy about, you know, they thought they had a night off. And uh, when we took them to the, the distance, it was an NCAA tournament atmosphere there, CBS College Sports Network. I think you saw some of the highlights, you know, and our guys really rose to the occasion and gave them a competitive game, one of which wasn't great at the handshake line. That staff was not too happy with us. <laughs> you know, and I just, they were like, you guys are better than we thought. I'm like, well, we didn't play last year. I mean, what do you want me to do? We're going to come out and we're going we're gonna to take it to everybody that we play. And that's our mindset, you know, regardless of whether it's a buy game or not, we're, we're trying to be a one-way culture here where we approach everything the same way. No doubt, man. Like you said, brother, like, you know, the MEAC, the SWAC, it's always, the lower major conference is always that the buy game got fun and everything else for everybody else. But the fact is, you winning those buy games, man, you know, next year going to be harder for you even to schedule some more games next year, brother. They could be like, we ain't playing them no. Oh, yeah. Year. Well, the hand, the, all the handshake lines of all the buy games so far have been, we're not playing you guys ever again. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> the, only, the only thing we can do now is go to the NCAA tournament because we got to find a way to get some money. So, like that, that's the only option now. <laughs> sir. Yes, sir. Hey, look. Hey, that is, that is great, though, that, that you're in that class now because, like you say, you, you want to be where the guys want to play you. When they, when they want to play you, something's wrong. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's when you build in a program, you know, and that's that's, you know, that's the dynamic. You know, when you're no good, you're going to get the buy games. You're going to get all the extra money and, and 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 things like that. But as you progress, you know, I think Rob Jones and Norfolk State and North Carolina Central, those guys can tell you Lavelle as they've gotten better and they built their programs up. It's harder to get buy games, you know, and you, it's going to be harder to bring in revenue uh, in non-conference games. So, you know, building a winning basketball program is something that that, that uh, change the trajectory and, and, and the dynamic in terms of how you raise money. Now it becomes about playing in the postseason and trying to get money in that regard, you know, and hopefully we're on a program that's heading in that kind of direction where we don't have to just rely on guaranteed games that we can start bringing in some money via what we do in basketball on the court. And your team is in different styles before you get into MEAC play. The MEAC's down to eight teams now. going to be a tight, 
race when you play about other seven schools every night. So talk about seeing different styles earlier in the year. I think it's this tough competition. So when you get the MEAC play, it's like, okay, I've seen tougher already. Yeah, you know, when we, it's interesting. Like when you play at Fordham, you're playing in New York. and you know, I'm a New York guy, so you're playing some gritty, you know, um, um, you know, Fordham basketball team in a tough environment. Uh, they like to spread the floor, you know, take you one-on-one. They had a really good big man that was all over the glass. So, right, in that game, you're trying to stop high-level talent from, pl- from making one-on-one plays. When you're playing at UConn, now they're they're running a lot of action and, they, and they've and they got great size and you're trying to keep those guys off the glass and we're, we're, we're mixing things up with how we do uh, in the UConn game and the St. Joe's game by playing five guards and trying to take their bigs out the game, you know, and making them adjust to us. And that was one of the strategic things we did to give ourselves a chance to win that game. Uh, when to say, uh, you know, get, when the, uh, some of these, you know, uh, or be competitive in these games, I should say, losing to St. Joe's at the buzzer and taking UConn a distance. And then you look at like a game like Lee High on the road where you're playing against a Patriot League team. And anytime you play a Patriot League or an Ivy League team, you're going to be running against a lot of sets, you know, a lot, a lot of continuity, a lot of, um, you know, backdoor cutting and, and cerebral things. So the, uh, the dynamic and the different styles of play that we've seen uh, gives us a great chance to, you know, be ready for the MEAC, which is going to be super tough this year. I think everybody's better. Um, we've got some great coaches in this league. Uh, everyone's done a great job recruiting. So it's going to be an exciting year in the, in the MEAC. Yeah, and, and now you all know you're going to be the, the eight teams now. That's been settled now with the new commissioner coming into the MEAC there. So talk about this, about the, what you said, the, the MEAC getting better. Because, I mean, Howard's better. They, they, they lost a pro when they're better, you know. So you guys, are, Robert Jones does what he does up there. Stan Waterman's building something down there in Delaware State there. So, like, talk about that league, man. It's from top to bottom. How in non-college conference play, how you all have gotten better collectively, as you just said. Yeah, I think when you look at it, you said, you know, we're third in the MEAC right now. But I think, like, once you remove the the, the non-one games from the standings, you kind of see where everybody's at. You know, um, you know, you know, it, it's 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 really right now Norfolk State and everybody else. You know, I think that's really where it's at right now. Um, they've been the most that they're made. They're rated right now in the mid-major top 50. Um, they've got some great road wins. They've, they've won all their games at home. Um, you know, so I think that right now they're the, the kings of the league in the first semester. And then, and then so right now, they also won the league last year. So they're the ones that have to be dethroned. Now you got your usual suspects of a North, or North Carolina Central that's, that's historically been up there. I think Kenny's doing a great job at Howard. He's got them playing really good basketball. Um, Stan down at Dell State's a great coach. He's done some great things over his career in basketball, especially in the, in the state of Delaware. So I know he's going to do a great job recruiting. Um, you got Coach Murdoch down at South Carolina State. They just got a big win over South Florida the other night. You know, so... And then you got Jawan Howard who played in the NBA, you know, building that cop and state program. He's always got talent in there. So uh, I don't think I've missed anybody in, in that. But if I did, um, I just think that the league is extremely strong this year from, uh, you know, I think Norfolk State, they're the Kings right now. And I think everybody else right now is really in a fist fight for that, that next spot. No doubt. And bro, look at this, man. Like, I think you're still setting a, a successful foundation though, because whatever you do right now is gold because, you setting the foundation again from, from year one because you all got better in year one and COVID killed your year. But yeah, I've yeah. seen that foundation been set again that you set in your first year. So whatever you do this year is setting that standard for years to come with the development, the recruits you have, having a staff in there so guys can see what the show is all about. 
Yeah, and I think, you know, as you're building that foundation, one of the things that I told my staff and our players is, you know, why can't we go win it right now? You know, as I'm sitting here telling you it's Norfolk and everybody else, what I'm saying is Norfolk has kind of established themselves as the Kings, you know, and I think a lot of people get caught up in winning the championship. We get caught up in trying to put ourselves in position to contend, you know, like everybody gets talked about, and that's that's where you focus on the process, what you're doing every single day. But I think this team is, in a, is, is really fired up and driven to trying to put themselves in position to compete to win that championship, you know? And I, I think, you know, when you look at that, so like when we play Norfolk State in that MEAC conference opener, you know, that's going to be an intense game, and that's going to be one that you're going to want to follow. You know, our guys going to be ready to go, and we're going to try to go out there and take down those guys, no different than we played UConn, you know, like no different than, you know, when we were going up against Fordham. We're going to go in and try to, you know, take down the kings of the league. That That's the mentality, you know? We understand what it takes to get there, and we understand who's there right now. We know we're not there right now, you know? So just trying to be very aware of where we are so we understand what we got to do to get to where we want to be. No doubt. And I feel like you're doing that, bro. Like you said, man, for your kids to actually get out there and compete, that's going to make them be better going down the road. And having a COVID year can get make them older in a couple of years to really cause problems for somebody because, as you know, name of the game is you want to have guys in the pipeline developing, but you also want to be old at the right spots too to really compete. You know, those good North Carolina Central teams, they used to always have those old rosters, man. They used to have those guys, grown men, 23, 24 years old, you know. So I think, um, you know, in this league especially, you know, the older your roster, very transfer-driven league, you know. So whether you're getting the transfers or you're retaining your guys or you're doing the red shirt thing or whatever the case may be, um, you got to find a way to have grown men on your team. And uh, usually the team that's got the best grown men wins, <laughs> you know. So um, that that's we, – we got some good – um, older guys that are only young just because of the experience, right? Like they, we, we have an older roster, but they're young from an experience standpoint just because, you know, we got 10 guys playing this year that this is their first time playing Mount Eastern Shore basketball. So um, there's only two guys on the roster that would be my first year, and then we didn't play last year. So we're still learning on the fly, having fun with it, um, and doing the best we can. No doubt, man. I saw your hype videos in the locker room, man. Like, I saw you getting hype, man. <laughs> I saw you, man. I saw y'all getting in down there. See, that's some hey, throwing the way. Y'all, y'all, look, y'all both had it going on, man. They ain't had a power yeah. for it. Hey, I can tell you guys are together. I mean, when, when coaching you all can get together and have a good time right after the, after the win, that means you and the coach are down. Because I've been on teams yeah, where yeah. the coach and I, we, we just like, okay, we won, screw you. But we won, screw you. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but yeah, they're yeah, down yeah. with you, though. I can say they're really down for you. Yeah, well, we, we had a lot of fun after the Fordham win because we were in the huddle at some point. We we were like, uh, one of the things I was like, we're, we're not just here for a check. We're here for the win, too. You know, so. Um, and they kind of rallied behind that that rhetoric. And uh, when we won the game, they were kind of yelling out, you got to pay us still, you know. So, like, <laughs> you know, I think um, it was a real cool moment. Um, not just one of the biggest moments uh, in Mount Eastern Shore basketball history. That was one of the biggest wins probably in program history. Um, you know, we had our program hadn't won on the road in a long time in non-conference, uh, like five or six years. I found that out after the fact, you know. And, and just for us to win a game of that magnitude in Atlantic 10, um, you know, after not playing last year, I think we just wanted to have some fun in the locker room together. We're going to enjoy every win. That one meant a lot to us just for what we've been through. Um, and, and to do it on that type of stage, uh, we, we had some fun with it, man. So, yeah, we broke the moves out a little bit, you know, <laughs> had some fun. Our manager ran in there. He got the show popping a little bit. He was having fun out there. Um, hey, you know, I don't know where the speaker even came from, but, hey, we just got it popping in there and had some fun. <laughs> yeah, there, man. Wait, look, 
you're coming down my way to play at Charlotte and Ron Sanchez's team here in Upland Expo on the 20th here. Tell me about that. You guys got finals here coming up as well. Getting that game in down here, man. How, come down here near the ATL area. Maybe some guys see you and maybe want to come up there on the shore and get it in with you up there. Come on and check us out, man. I don't know what the COVID, COVID protocol is in North Carolina for, for fans, but I know it was like lockdown city in New York, but hopefully we can get some uh, some people to come check us out. We go to North Carolina, but yeah, our guys are in finals right now. We got an off day today, started finals yesterday. So um, everybody knows that you got to kind of back off a little bit and then kind of pick things back up later in the week as they kind of wrap up with finals. And then long bus trip down to Charlotte on Saturday, practice on Sunday, play on Monday. Then a quick turnaround, we got to play at GW on Wednesday to close out these, the, uh, you know, this first semester of games here. So, um, you know, two good teams coming up and uh, two money games or buy games or guarantee games, you would say. And we're going to try to see if we go out and, and sneak some more checks and get some more wins. <laughs> I think both of them are winnable games, personally. <laughs> well, right now, you talk about 25 buy games have been uh, going the other way or, or more. So, you know, I, know, I think when you look at it like that right now, the dynamic of this buy game thing, I think, is going to dynamically change. You know, I don't think you're going to see teams paying this money um, that much because, you know, basketball is getting better, you know, at the lower levels. You know, coaches are getting better. Recruiting is getting better. You know, administrations are getting better. You know, people are starting to do things at a higher level. And um, it's not going to be easy anymore to just give, well, you know, Maryland East to short $70,000. I don't think it's just going to be a night off, you know. So, you know, it's just not going to happen. And so teams have got to start rethinking what they do in that regard. With that being said, yeah, we're going out next week to try to pick up two wins. No doubt, man. No doubt. And, bro, I got to ask you about um, the Knicks first because uh, Hawks, too. We're 13 and 12, respectively, in, in Eastern Conference, um, the Knicks and the Hawks. So what, <laughs> what what are your thoughts? I have my thoughts on the Hawks. What are your thoughts on the Knicks? Tell me about that. And they bench Kimba Walker, of all things. <laughs> You know what? I haven't been following it as much, um, you know, as we've been in our season. I just saw the Stephen A. Smith comments, you know, saying, what are we doing? You know, get it together. You know, so I know that they've been, if not under 500, looming around 500. And I think the disappointing thing is probably that they, they, they established a brand of basketball last year that looked very team-oriented, um, a, a toughness on defense. And it, I don't think that the New York fans have seen that carryover. So there's been some inconsistency there. So hopefully they can get it figured out and the New York fans can feel good about their, their basketball team. It's been a long time since New York fans have been able to feel good about basketball in the garden. So um, I know my man Spike Lee's up there struggling. Well, I'll <laughs> be there on Christmas Day, and I, and I, I can tell you the problem with the Knicks, brother. Randall is a, is a three <laughs> at best, not, not, not a two yeah. or one. Randall is a, is a three on a good team, a two on a bad team at best. When he's your best player, you're not going to go anywhere. That's the problem. <laughs> and his knees are dead because of who he plays for. The man don't believe in rest or load management. <laughs> so if I'm Kimba Walker, I'm out the rotation, I'm thankful. I save my knees. <laughs> you know, you playing Derrick Rose almost 40 minutes and you kill this man's career? I, I look, oh, man. Derrick Rose. Going up the roster right now. Stockholm Syndrome, Jason. Why are you playing with a man that got you hurt? In 2012, I wouldn't play with that man ever again in my life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. I'm looking at the minutes right now. Yeah, they got some guys playing some some high minutes, man. Yeah, 35 minutes a night for Randall. Wow. Wow, 35 yeah. minutes a night. 
But your guy Kemba's only playing. He's only played 18 games. So what? He's 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 Kemba's uh, out of rotation right now. now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kemba yeah. got bench. Barrett he, playing. He, he on the on defend. <laughs> oh man, New York Knicks, man. Oh, what are we doing, Knicks? Come on, man. Let's yes. go. We get it figured out, man. Man, look. But it's, it's Randall a, it's stole man. that money, Jason. He took that four year <laughs> deal. He stole that one seventeen. Well, I tell you what, you talk about low management. When I was with the Sixers, they did a great job. They had like a whole scientific department that was like they had the chips on the players, and they were they had this whole laptop, and they were managing this stuff. They would actually come on a court and say, "Hey, that's enough steps for Joe today, or that's enough." Um, you know, they could they could tell you how much like weight he put on his knees by midweek, and say like, "Hey, you know, he can't go, but but forty five minutes in tomorrow's session, or he needs to do this." So. You know, I don't know what the Knicks do in that low management regard, but I know the Sixers were really good at that, you know. And it, it was tough because Joe wanted to always play, but he started to buy into it when he saw the benefits of it come playoff time. Well, the Knicks have it. Tibbs don't like it. <laughs> That's what happens. <laughs> yeah. So, so like, it's also, I, said, I said, Derek, Stockholm Syndrome. He, 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 knows, he knows what I call him when I see him. Stockholm Syndrome. Man, you say it every time you see me. You know why. <laughs> You playing for the, the, the exact man that got your, your knee hurt in 2012. You playing for him. No way. You shouldn't even be in that game against, against whoever y'all playing and two up your ACL. Never should have been in the game. Yeah. I ain't gonna forget that, but you ain't forgot it. And then our Hawks. We don't defend, Jason, in the fourth quarter. We don't defend, you know. Yeah, well, you were talking about it earlier. We were talking, chopping uh, before we got on, and everybody wants to blame the coach, but now you're back in the same. <laughs> How bad was it? Because you guys still, you know what I mean? Like, like it's always funny. Everyone blames the coach and stuff like that, you know, and that's the easy scapegoat, but the players still have to get some things done. And, hey, you know, we're having to go with <laughs> Timothy Luau Cabarro as your starting three. That's not good because Bogdanovich <laughs> is out. You got Hunter out. Okongwu was out. Solomon Hill tore his, his hamstring for the year. So those are all defenders. And then in the, like, in the fourth quarter, you're going to bring back, you go playing in Lou Williams and Trey together, not defensive stop, stoppers. Yep. The line right, not a stopper. Hurt, our stopper. So if it's, it's Capella is our only line of defense. Collins tries, but he's not the best. And then you're going <laughs> to double Trey. You're going to throw your big people at Trey Young now. This is the game plan now. Double him, blitz him, or throw somebody big on him. But here's my thing. Now you guys are sitting at 11th in the Eastern Conference. You're under 500. You know, how bad was it last year? You know what I mean? You know, see what I'm saying? Like, 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 like how, you know, like, you know, it, it's, 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 it's always interesting to see some of these dynamics, you know. Um, well, he, Lloyd Pitts was fired because the star player didn't like him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's plain and simple why that happened, you know. But, but what can Nate Miller do? He's not going to play Sharif Cooper or Johnson. He doesn't believe in playing rookies like that. So yeah, he's, he's yeah, going to yeah. play Gorgie Jane, Gallinari off the bench with Lou Williams and uh, DeLon Wright. He's and he's he's not he's not going beyond that. Yeah. Well, cool. here's the interesting thing, and actually, you reminded me about the scenario. So that's right. They get rid of Lloyd um, before the playoffs, and then they go on that big playoff. On March first, yes. Yeah, yeah. So and now. What you're getting to see right now is a legit sample size. See, now Nate gets a chance to have a full season. So now, you know, that, you know, when you ride the troops together like that in the springtime and then go on a playoff run, that's a lot different than, you know, a whole season. So what that whole organization has to do is they got to look at that body of work from last year, look at the body of work, whatever they do this year, 
Then they got to also look at that roster and see, like, you know, um, you know, are we built to be able to do what we want to do? So um, the body of work is always key. Those short stints are, 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 are sometimes easy to do, but the entire year, that, that, that's, a, that's, a, that's a challenge. There's so many ups and downs. They got time before the trade deadline to make some moves, too. Well, Cam Reddish is probably looking to be gone. You know, <laughs> I told you that in the summertime. I knew that was going to yeah, happen in yeah. the summertime. I mean, these dudes getting paid all this money to say stuff I've, I've known for months. That's funny. <laughs> Shams and Woe is making millions to say what I knew months ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> obvious stuff, obvious stuff. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, so I just think, like, look, man, our star player does not defend. He's he's a, I try to hide him on the worst offensive player who doesn't leave it the worst. But if you put him in action, he can't hide. Like the Nets yeah, on Friday yeah. night, put it. They, they the Nets saved this. They went with Durant on Trey Young. Yeah, yeah. You couldn't get by him. Can't shoot over him. So you're forcing the ball out of his hand that way. So it's either gonna be a blitz, hard hedge, mm. or just put somebody bigger on him in the fourth quarter. And Nate says he's gonna start trying to call more plays in the fourth quarter. That ain't gonna change anything either because when in the fourth quarter teams team and in NBA as you know this Jason teams save certain concepts for the, for the, for the fourth, fourth quarter. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, yep, yep. and the Hawks' first three quarters playing against what I call the random stuff. But the good stuff is in the fourth quarter when it really matters. They're going to go that. And can you yeah. adjust to it? Because mm-hmm. people might be in foul trouble, the rotations, you know. So, yeah. So, Trey Young, great offensive player. Defensively, is a liability. But you're not going to bench him in his offense in the fourth quarter. Oh, yeah. So it's oh, like yeah. you have to live with the results of defense. We're all talking about defense here in Atlanta, but we don't have defenders on our roster. Yeah, and that's why I think, yeah, they, you know, they got to look at the body of work and then look at the roster and see if the roster built to do what they want to do. You know, at the end of the day, I mean, Lloyd Pierce, is, you know, can coach the game. You know, Nate McMillan played the game. I mean, both of those guys played and can coach. You know what I mean? Like, so, you know, now – you get a chance to kind of evaluate both styles, both situations, and really look at your roster. Because <laughs> it's still, it's only so much a coach can do per the talent, you know, on, on the team. So and how the roster is built. You want to be a really good defensive team? Well, you got to have good defenders. You want to be a great shooting team? Well, you got to have great shooters. I think they have the shooting. There's no question about that. They've got that, the, the chance to space the floor out and make those things happen. You know, are they built to do some of the other things consistently? Consistently, that's what they got to really look at. And let's be honest about it. Lloyd Pierce didn't gotta get a fair shake because mm-hmm. he was tanking for two years. Yeah, yeah. And then last year's team was uh, was not even healthy. Nate yeah. got the full roster eventually at the end of the year to make that oh, run. Yeah. That's Lloyd why I think never... it's always easy to just fire the coach. That's the, the easy scapegoat all the time. Not to mention all the COVID drama that you're going through, right? Like like yes. in the bubble year and all that type of stuff and teams that played didn't play and all the dynamics that I don't think did the Hawks play in the bubble. No, they did not. Yeah, you know, so that that's a hit right there. You know, like in terms of just building your chemistry and everything and, and, and getting a new coach, um, some type of like, you know, uh, consistency and, and, and they get on a, a, a trajectory for success. So these things take time, man, you know. <laughs> but, you know, the only thing, the longest time is in New York right now. That's the, that's the longest time it's getting taken. <laughs> it's in New York. You know, that's the, that's the, the longest time. But it's a long season, man. And you, we've all seen this stuff turn around. 13 and 14 right now. You got some things that can happen before the trade deadline that can dynamically change the roster, 
Um, and, and, and you can go and flip that thing and, and go, you know, in the next 30 games, you can go, you know, uh, 22 and eight, you know, so, and now you don't even remember those first 30. So a lot of time left still in the, in the NBA season to, to recover. Now, this is me being the GM and I am, bro. I wouldn't have paid Herter early. Okay. You said that last time we spoke. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't have given Capella his money early. I would have let it play out. So I can, I can have the maximum to be flexible with the cap. Then he locked in the Herder for four years over and over, and over six, $60 million of Herder. Uh, yeah. Pella got an extension. JC's was going to happen. And now Reddish is pretty much on. You can't pay him. You've chosen Hunter over Cam Reddish. I would have let it all play out. Didn't decide who to pay and who to trade away. That's why. That's why they gotta bring you in, man. Bring you in and let you crunch some numbers and you know, like all that type of stuff. You always got the the the, the roster breakdown ready to go. You got more insight on it than me. I, I'm not. I'm I'm in my college game right now, but uh, I always always fun to hear you break some of this stuff down. You gotta just put it on paper and you gotta submit it at the end of the game and sell them. Just get me in the room. Get you. I want the boss man in the room to make some boss man moves. <laughs> yes, because I can look at that cap and tell you. Because look. I got started as a cap guy. Yeah, yeah. So I got my starting radio as a rostering. Cast is what I do. Roster, cap, that's that's my wheelhouse. So, yeah, the Atlanta Hawks, Mr. Wrestler, Steve Coonan, uh, <laughs> bring me in the room. I can help you with so many deals, man. Yeah, I, yeah. I got you. Bro, like, like I said, man, it's always fun to chat with you, my brother. I'm happy for your success, brother. I really am. And I want you to keep winning. And, uh, Keep going, brother. Keep going. Strong I appreciate today. you, brother. We're going to keep brother. building this thing, man. We're going to keep building this thing. Like I said, I appreciate your support over the years. And uh, you know what we took over. You know what we inherited. You know what, what it's going to take to get this thing right. You know, um, is it a Herculean effort, you know, that, that's never been done before. So we're excited to, to be the, the program that we feel like in this team and this roster and the staff that's going to, you know, change, change the culture here and, and put this program, you know, in a different place and just keep pushing it forward. You know, the wins are great. Um, but we want to just keep working every single day to push the program forward. That's our goal. Folks, this is Jason, not James. It's not James. Jason Crafton <laughs> here on the Boss Man Show. Eastern Shore Hawks head coach. Check those guys out, man. Out of the MIAC. Appreciate you, boss, man. One way. All cry. Peace, buddy. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.